Happy Thursday. Welcome into NSN Daily. A lot to talk about today. We'll have Rail City Todd, Todd Dreamer, talking about his picks for the Winter Classic over the weekend. Uh, Eunice uh, Donskoy, from the right winger from the Colorado Avalanche, will join us also to talk about uh, coming to Lake Tahoe and what that experience is being like. But uh, we want to start to show off, Chris, with something important, and that's Ernie Howard, head coach at Bishop Minogue High School, the football program there with the Miners. And uh, Ernie, less than 20, about 24 hours ago, we got the uh, – got the news that high school football was going to be back officially. There had been speculation all week long leading up to this. You know, what did it mean to be able to tell your kids, hey, you're going to put the pads back on? Yeah. Brian, Chris, thanks for having me on. And uh, that news, uh, I, I don't know if I can really describe it. I mean, because like, just I'm stuttering right now just because it's been a while since we've done an interview and and the excitement of and just seeing the kids, their faces and – the coaches, I mean, we're, this means just as much to us coaches as it does the players. Uh, we're, we get to go out there and have some fun for six weeks. It, it, it's very special. What do you think this means to the players, just the emotional well-being? I mean, there's a lot of talk about the physical well-being and all that kind of stuff. Um, but just being able to go out there and socialize and be with their friends and play a game that they love and just have an opportunity to be a little bit normal during a very abnormal last year. Uh, Chris, you just summed it up. You're so right. I mean, it's it's a great question, and and and, and you said it. I mean, it, they get to feel normal finally. Um, uh, we we get to go out there, and you know, anybody that uh, knows anything about sports, it's not just about the game. It's not just about Friday nights. I mean, that's kind of like the icing on the cake. But the reality is, uh, being around your buddies and hanging out that that's what sports is about. It's those relationships you build with your friends and. And those things have been put on hold and, you know, social distancing and wearing a mask and uh, all these things. Uh, this is finally that step in the right direction that we get to kind of be normal for once. Bishop Oak High School head football coach Ernie Howard joining us here on NSN Daily. Uh, Ernie, how big of a challenge has it been for you and your, your staff to just stay connected with your kids? I mean, we talked with Jane Orvell about how he's done it and other coaches about how they've stayed in contact with their kids. Um, how tough has it been for you guys? What's been the biggest challenge? You know, it, it's probably just been the daily connection, not having that daily uh, interaction with each other, uh, having to do it through a Zoom. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot to be said. Uh, when you're walking around a field or you're in a weight room or a locker room, you can have some one-on-one -on -one time with guys. You really can't do that when you're in a Zoom with 100 kids and, and 20 coaches. It just doesn't work. Uh, so, uh, that, that's been sorely missed and, uh, having the opportunity to actually get out on the football field, uh, these, you know, these, uh, practice runs or, you know, conditioning days that we've had for the last three weeks, uh, that's been nice. You know, it's been every other day, but still, you know, when you go through a full season, it's every single day you're seeing these guys and getting to, to talk to different kids each day. Obviously, Governor Sislak lifting uh, football off the no playlist is a big first step, but there's still a lot of work you guys have to do to get back on the field in terms of the testing regimen and all that kind of stuff. What are you guys facing over the next couple of weeks to make sure you guys are playing games by uh, early March? Yeah, our NIAA director, uh, Bart Thompson, you know, he went through, uh, it was quite an extensive meeting and uh, a lot of protocols and uh, fortunately, we have a great administration in Minogue that's going to handle probably a lot of those for us. Uh, uh, I'm going to be leaning on them heavily because they do such a great job. And uh, But, man, I couldn't even keep up with all of them. You know, I was trying to jot down notes on each one of the things that we would have to do as coaches and 
things we have to remind players about. Uh, and you're so right. There's a lot to still be done before that game happens on either March 5th or March 6th. Ernie Howard joining us here uh, from uh, Bishop Minogue High School uh, from the PE room. You got to have the fridge. You got to have your own, uh, the fridge and got to have snacks and everything. But uh, coach, uh, your first game's right around the corner. I mean, March 5th, you're scheduled to have Spanish Springs. We're hoping to televise that one on Friday night rivals. Uh, I don't know how many people maybe if, if you had not been involved in the game of football, understand there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. How much of a concern is that to you that your guys haven't been able to take any contact? Um, obviously it's a concern. I mean, you know, as, as football coaches, we, we stress about things we shouldn't have to stress about. And we're, you know, we're thinking about every little thing that we need to have uh, in, in place, you know, whether it be conditioning or plays, to get ready for that first game. And it is a concern. I mean, obviously safety is a huge concern, but at the same time, uh, you know, you know, Bart Thompson talked a little bit about it yesterday. You know, we're using the same timeline that we've used every year. They're, they're not uh, taking any chances. Uh, they're not cutting any corners. We, we have the same acclimation days, the same non-padded days and the same uh, full padded days before our first game. Uh, so it's not really any different than it's been in the past. The only thing that I think you're right, you know, bringing up th this concern is that we haven't had the five or six weeks of summer waits leading into the acclimation days. So th th that is something that we were, were worried about and we're definitely paying attention to. Uh, as you guys move forward, there's not going to be any state tournament. Vegas isn't playing football this year. Uh, I'm curious, do you think there's going to be a regional championship played this year? Uh, you know, uh, Commissioner Thompson kind of said it's up to each individual league and area. Um, at your guys' level, do you guys anticipate there being a northern champion crowned at the end of this season? Yeah, so there. I've heard some, uh, I, I believe uh, Jim Krajewski re referred to it as ball weekend. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of what everybody's uh, talking about it being is that we're going to be a high desert side, uh, Sierra side and uh, one's going to play one, two, two, three, four, all the way down. Uh, and the last game of that weekend will be the one versus one. And that will be the uh, regional champion. Ernie, let's take a look at your roster. I mean, you've been able to have all these now pieces in place and you were expecting a year ago to be, okay, this is what I'm going to have in the fall. And all of that changed. Uh, obviously, people talk about your quarterback position. Uh, Drew going to be playing at the University of Nevada. What uh, when you look at this roster and you look at this group of kids, what do you think you're going to do well? Uh, you know, the number one senior leadership. You always you always lean on those young men that have been in your program for three, four years uh, to kind of show the young guys what the program's all about and how we do things at Bishop and Oak. And, and again, this is, uh, this is no exception. I mean, all the years that we need the senior leadership to really step up. Uh, and unfortunately, we have some of the special kind of guys. Uh, top of the class, you know, Drew Scaleri. Uh, you're not going to find a better young man than Drew to lead this team. Uh, Michael Schneider, you know, he's just a do-everything. You know, he's got a full ride to Air Force and uh, just an amazing young man, uh, both offensively and defensively. On the offensive line, Ashton Christensen, you know, he's our center. You know, he's our leader up front. Uh, we're going to be counting on him. Um, John Brown, one of our leaders on defense. He's our linebacker. Amazing young man. Great linebacker. Great kid. Uh, and there's so many other seniors I could mention on our team. Uh, we're counting on all of them to lead these guys. Um, and then, you know, we have a, a really good junior class. 
you know, led by uh, Siawape Barakani, uh, you know, who's been offered by just about everybody in the nation right now. He's just an amazing young man, O-line and D-line. One thing that Governor Sislak mentioned is just the opportunity for some of these kids to get out there and potentially earn scholarships. You do have two in your senior class, uh, you know, who are committed with Drew Scolari and Michael Snyder. But um, how important do you think it is for all the kids in our region to at least get five or six games out on tape? So maybe they do have an opportunity at the next level that they may not have had if this season was completely canceled. You know, I think it's huge. Uh, they, they have to have these five, six games. Uh, uh, I don't think it's a make or break, but I do think it's going to, it's going to help some of these guys get seen. Um, you know, we're talking, we haven't played. Is it going to be 15 months? Am I doing the math right on that? Uh, that's a long time for a young man as a junior to grow up and become a senior and get bigger, faster, and stronger. And, you know, we have some great seniors that are going to be really showing some stuff, you know, uh, Bear, uh, he's one of our outside linebackers. Uh, he's gotten huge over the last uh, 15 months. Uh, Q, uh, uh, Jack, and, and Fred, and, all of our seniors, Xavier De Leon. I mean, all these guys have just gotten bigger, faster, and stronger. Really excited about what to see what these guys bring, and, and they want to continue on playing. Bishop and Oak High School uh, head football coach Ernie Howron uh, joining us. Ernie, you've got such a rich history here in Northern Nevada. I feel, I mean, I've known you for 20 years, if not longer. Um, and I'm, I'm, we're aging ourselves when we say that, man. But uh, what do you think has been the biggest difference in the last few years? Now we're seeing. Uh, you know, Mountain West schools back in the WAC used to recruit Northern Nevada. Occasionally, you'd see some Pac-12s come through. But now you're seeing Alabama come through. You're seeing Michigan. Oregon is usually kind of sniffed around. You've got Jackson Ledoux, K. McNamara, Alecajo, all these guys that are now moving on to that next level. What's been the difference when it comes to exposure and people realizing, eh, you know, take a little flight to the 775 and find yourself some talent? Yeah, I think it's all of the above, and I think it all started with Cahoe and McNamara. I think those guys really kind of put us back on the map. And we've had young men before them and after them that were great talents, but I really feel like they kind of started that that movement of people coming back to the 775, like you said. And uh, now you've got uh, Jackson LaDuke at Oregon. I mean, you know, he was getting recruited by everybody. Siawape is getting recruited by everybody. Ashton, uh, uh, and I, the running back at, at McQueen, uh, yeah, he, yeah. Every, you know, everybody's looking at him. Obviously, Robbie Snelling, uh, you know, the, the, we have, you have three guys that are being recruited by everybody in the nation right now. So, yeah, that when you get a guy like that that's on the map, it just brings more guys in and then they stop in and they go to the other schools to see if anybody has anybody. You've obviously sent dozens and dozens of players to the next level, but the top level, you had Austin Corbett, one of your pupils, make a couple of years ago. And to see him play in the playoffs this last year as a starter for the Rams on their offensive line, what, what did that mean to you to see one of your guys get up to the premier level of football in the world? You know, just to think about where he started and where he's at now. And and, and you guys, you know, Chris, I mean, you and Brian, you guys have followed him through his career. You guys, you know how he was a walk-on. And then he got a full ride. And I mean, I watched that guy look like he had two casts on his ankles and, you know, just fighting at, at Nevada. And then he gets drafted by the Browns. Things don't quite work out. And he lands on his feet at with the Rams. Uh, I'm so proud of Austin. What, what a stud. Um, and yet, if you know him, you know his family. The Corbett's are an amazing group of people. And, and uh, it's really fortunate. And, and it's just been fun to watch that ride develop. Ernie, one last thing before we let you go. What's it going to be like when your team runs out on the field, onto the lights, and you're on that sideline staring across 
at another team on the other side for the first time in well over a year. Hair in the back of my neck standing up right now. I'm, I'm emotional just thinking about it. Uh, and uh, it, there's so many emotions that come out with it, man. I almost want to cry a little bit because I'm so happy. So it, it, this is really special for the young men that uh, get to step out there on Friday night come uh, March 5th. I'm, I'm really happy for them. I'm proud of uh, you know Washoe County, the NIAA, everybody coming together and making this happen for kids. It's definitely been a long process. A lot of people have had to make a ton of sacrifices and uh, some difficult choices. We're not out of the woods just yet, but uh, I'm really hoping March 5th, we're showing Spanish Springs and uh, Bishop Minogue right here on Friday Night Rivals on, uh, on Nevada Sportsnet. Coach Howard, appreciate your time, man. Can't wait to see you in person. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, we'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back into NSN Daily. We are now joined with the right wing from Colorado Avalanche, Jonas Donskoy. Jonas, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. Thank you. So how, what is it like playing outdoors versus indoors? And do you have a preference at, as to which one you like better? Well, I grew up playing outdoors, so I would say I prefer outdoors. It's kind of like um, getting back to where it all started from. Just um, playing to bodies outside. That's what I did literally every day when I was growing up. So, so games like that are so special. I'm so excited. Now, is it harder to play? with, you know, you're used to playing inside and there's the glass barrier and there's no wind at all. So when there is a ton of wind, do you feel like that affects your game at all? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different, but um, I played my first outdoor game last season and uh, yeah, it, it, it felt a little bit different. And, and uh, obviously the ice is probably not as good as it's usually is at the, at the rinks inside, but um I don't know, it's just the wind and, and maybe if we see some snow and stuff like that, I think it just, just makes it makes it more fun. Now, you've never been to Tahoe, correct? Uh, I've been there, I think, two or three times. Okay. When I, was, I used to play for San Jose Sharks, so I, I, I used to go there for Christmas and stuff like that. So, so I know the area. So now, have you seen the golf course at all? Uh, no, I've not actually, no. Okay, so the ice rink is built completely on the 18th green and you're right next to the water. So for you, it's gonna be a little different. Like you're playing on ice and normally the ice is frozen next to you. So it's like you have the best of both worlds. You're playing next to the lake and you're playing on the ice. So, and freezing of course at all. So what are you looking forward to most about playing in Lake Tahoe? I think it's just the views. I've seen some pictures and like you said, it's right next to the water. I think it's, I think it's gonna be beautiful. Um, and um, hopefully it's going to get a little bit cold too. Uh, you just said that it's, it's probably going to be a cold. So, you know, I'm from Finland and I'm, I'm used to playing outside when it's freezing. So I think it's, I think it's just, it's just part of the fun. So um, just the views and kind of like being part of the nature and, and playing outside. And, and uh, it's a bummer we are not going to have fans, but I think because of that, it's probably gonna feel even more like just playing with your friends outside, no fans, you know, kind of that kind of feeling. So, so I'm super excited. So you grew up in Finland. What was that like coming here to the United States and playing hockey here versus playing hockey there? Well, it's a lot different, but uh, just playing it in itself is kind of like something that you always dreamed about 
being a kid and and um, um, I don't know, it's just a dream, dream come true and um, it's a lot different. Players are, are better and, and uh, it's just a bigger business. Everything is a little bit bigger and, and uh, living in the States is <laughs> a little bit different than living in Finland and I was in California my first first four years so uh, you know seeing the sun every day and and uh, used to when I was playing in Finland we didn't see the sun during the winters almost at all so that was a big difference too but um, you know just being in the NHL is uh, it's a dream come true for me. Now you're um, coming from San Jose Sharks now you're on the Avalanche so what um, how has this new team been and what is the biggest difference for you that you've seen in Avalanche compared to the Sharks? Well, we have a lot younger team. I feel like when I was with the Sharks, uh, we had a lot of older guys with, with tons of experience being in this league for for a long time. And and uh, for me coming in as, as a young guy it was it was it was great to see those older guys how they you know practice and how they get ready for games and, and uh, I just learned so much from those four years I was with the Sharks and and uh, now with being with the Avs, like I said, there's ton of young guys, you know, 18, 19, 20, 22, whatever. And, and uh, I hope I could be kind of like the role model for them too. And, and uh, leading by an example and, and just trying to work hard every day. And, and uh, we have a great team. I think we have all the chances to, to win Stanley Cup. So I've been lucky that way. We had a good team in San Jose that was was able to compete every year and now we have a good team again with the abs so um yeah now going up against the golden knights uh this weekend and then being um one of the top ranked teams right now um what are you looking forward to most this weekend and is that a rivalry or you know now with so much on the line you know you're going after them what are you looking forward to uh i would say it is a little bit um they are leading leading our, our division right now. So so it's going to be a tough matchup and and uh, I like it. Uh, we played against them yesterday. We lost one nothing. We just came back from, from uh, I think it was a nine or 10 day break because of COVID. So uh, that was first game for us coming back and, and uh, now we're going to play again against them tomorrow again. So uh, I don't know, it's different this year because you play like now we play again four times against the same team. So it's kind of like, uh, mini playoffs during the regular season. So um, hopefully we will be able to get points. That's all that matters at this point. You know, like I said, they're the one of the best teams right now in the league. So, so it's not going to be easy. When people can't really hear you guys talking on the, on the ice, do you guys talk a lot of trash on the ice, like between you and the other teams? <laughs> um, not you know, that much, exactly what you said because sometimes players will go in go obviously you guys can fight in your sport and i'm like what did he say to set the other person off but i feel like maybe they don't say anything and you guys just start fighting so how does that <laughs> is there, there is uh, no trash talk or no trash talk <laughs> well there's always a little bit but i feel like um there's more of that in the playoffs i feel like when you when you get to the playoffs and and you know it's best of seven i think that's when the real trash talk starts and all that kind of, you know, but. Um, and there's no fans. Oh yeah, there's now you guys can hear each other almost louder because there's no other sound aside from you guys. 
I know it's actually been kind of weird, especially the first games after uh, the break that we had last season and playing first time without fans. Um, just being able to hear, you know, sitting on the bench and you're able to hear what the coach is saying and, and you're able to talk to your teammates and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's a little bit different for sure, but uh, <laughs> we are missing those fans. They're such a big part of the game. So I, I hope the fans will be able to come back to the game soon. Thank you so much, Jonas, uh, for joining me. Good luck this weekend in Tahoe. Um, we wish you the best this weekend and we can't thank you enough for joining NSN Daily. Thank you so much. The following segment is sponsored by Rail City Alehouse. Welcome into NSN Daily once again. Todd Dreamer uh, joining us from the Rail City Casino and the Rail City Ale House. And once again, he's the best dressed guy on the panel, as usual. Uh, Todd, uh, let's, you're a hockey guy, man. Anybody who knows you knows it's a, not you're not just a fan. You're also a, a player. Um, let's go back to, to that. I mean, growing up, I mean, where did, where did you pick up the love for hockey? I grew up in Minnesota, and you're kind of just like born into hockey at that point. Um, if you don't play hockey, you're clearly an outcast. A few people played basketball, but clearly hockey's the sport of, uh, of Minnesota. And so I started playing when I was, I think, six. We had a, at that point, the college was Mankato State, now it's Minnesota State. And I grew up just watching and instantly my first game, my parents told me I was drawn to the goalie. And so um, that's just what I always wanted to be and started playing goalie when I was seven and never stopped. Chris, would you want to be a human target? I mean, you got to have a different sort of mentality. I went to college with a guy who was a goalie and played in the rec league in Reno, and he was just wired a little differently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be fun. I've never put on the goalie pads. I did play catcher in Little League growing up and, uh, you know, my high school ball. So, um, you know, it's probably quite a bit different, but I, I have put on the gear and had some balls thrown at me. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, uh, I think goalie would be all right because my skating ability wouldn't have to move around too much. I think I'd be able to stay up. So, um, you know, it, it has to be one of the more difficult positions in all of sports uh, with pucks coming at you 100 miles per hour and all of that, that traffic in front of you in the crease. But it, it would definitely be cool to put on the pads and try and stop a couple of, you know, shots one on one style. Yeah, Todd, what, what, what's the mentality when you're a goalie? I mean, you, you're 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 literally the, the guy that if anybody even chips you a little bit, you know, somebody's going to come up and rough a guy up. What type of mentality do you have to be being a goalie? So I grew up in uh, similar the old style goalie, right? So um, I'm known to, on a breakaway or as a place coming down, do a double stat, pad stack. And then literally you take the guy out. He goes flying over you as he's rolling in from the corner. Gotten a couple fights doing that. Uh, even in men's league, it just, it happens. Um, but yeah, it's really aggressive more than anything else. Not too many people stand in front for long. Um, you watch NHL games and you'll see the same thing, right? Guys just hack. And, and uh, I've had some unique experiences goalie though. Growing up in high school, I broke a mask in warmups. And about five years ago, I broke a cage in California too in warmups. So um, not too many goalies have broken cages, uh, but it's an, it's an interesting experience when you actually expect the shot to just kind of deflect off of you. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I felt that. That's interesting. And then, and then you start leaking instantly. So, uh, which is no good for hockey because then they have to clean the ice and do all that stuff, which just delays the game. Yeah, come on. I mean, you keep the, keep the blood to yourself for crying out loud. Let's go. Uh, let's look at the two games that are going to be played up at Edgewood uh, this weekend as the Winter Classic and NBC uh, descend upon Lake Tahoe. Vegas Golden Knights against the Colorado Avalanche. It's a noon puck drop 
on uh, our sister station News 4 on Saturday. Uh, what do you like in this game? So the Avs have only been back a couple games. They, they were on a pretty long break too, and they didn't look – the game that I saw, they looked a little bit rusty, so I don't know how well they'll be dialed in by then. I like the Knights um, definitely, and I think, you know, if you've watched any of Fleury play lately, he's, he's really uh, focused on taking the net back, so he's playing really well. It's the best I've seen him play, and he's played pretty good the past couple of years. Um, he's got a goals against average of 1.56, which – leads you to believe that you think the game will go under as well. So um, the Knights have been favored in every game so much that even the puck line's barely a plus number. So I would say the Knights and the under is probably a good bet. Not seeing the lines, not knowing what the total is. The other thing I like is um, if you look at the stats, Pacioretty hasn't missed a shot opportunity, I think, in any game. So if you can bet Pacioretty as a prop to score a goal, I think that's, especially if it's plus money, I would take that bet. Christy, they look really good right now. I mean, it is still very early on. We're only 14 games in the season for Vegas. 10-3 and one overtime loss in this one. They lead the West Division with a and also a goal a differential of plus 12 in this one. Uh, this might be the year. Who knows? With the Knights, I mean, it's a long season. Yeah, it's a long season, but both of these teams are really, really good. Um, I'm with Todd on the under. Uh, these are the two teams that are lowest in the NHL in goals allowed per game, both at 2.1 goals allowed per game. Uh, Colorado has gone under in seven of their 12 games. So uh, I like the, uh, the Knights and the under as well. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. The, the ice can kind of get a little bit choppy when you play these outdoor games because it's not quite as cold. and It's going to be warm out here, which I think a, makes it a little bit more difficult to score. So, um, you know, with that intangible as well, uh, I put my money on the Knights under. Uh, let's go to Sunday. That's going to be a noon puck drop for the Boston Bruins and uh, the Philadelphia Flyers of Todd Dreamer. Uh, Todd, uh, when you look at this one, I mean, I personally, you, get, you have to be literally kicking yourself that you can't sit in the stands and go watch this. Absolutely. I would love to be there for that game, the outdoor game with the Flyers playing and the Bruins for that matter. The Bruins are, you know, they're a great team too, and they have a lot of talent. Who do you like in this game? What kind of trends do you see here? So I won't say who I like or don't like, but I will say that. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What was that? What was that? It's a. Oh, I see. Okay. That is terrifying. Broad Street Bullies from the old days. Yep. Um, but, but I like the Flyers. The, the one thing that happened is they got Sean Couturier back, and he made a world of difference. Um, the first game back instantly, he made, he made a big difference. So as long as they have that lineup, I like the Flyers. I think this one, um, will. my gut says, will go over. You, you watch the Bruins. They have such high-power offense. It's hard to keep them down, so the Flyers are just going to have to keep pace with them and outscore them. So um, I think it'll come down to the end. I wouldn't be on a puck line on this one. I would definitely be uh, just on the Flyers and the over if I was going to bet it, which, of course, I probably will. <laughs> Chris, this just I love this because it's just an old school, uh, you know, knuckles in the crease sort of matchup. This just feels traditional hockey. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Todd's got a Flyers lamp behind him. I mean, who do you think he's picking? Come on, yeah. That one's an easy one from his perspective, but I'm going with Todd on this one. I think the Flyers offense is, is going to get it done. I mean, this is one of the best offenses in the NHL. They scored seven goals last time out. Uh, you know, they've got several games this year where they've scored four goals or more. The Bruins do have a really strong defense, um, but I'll take the Flyers on this one. I'll go with the offense over the defense and uh, put my money on Philadelphia. Todd, uh, one thing I have to ask you as a Flyers fan, you have a mascot that is one of the, <laughs> I mean, nightmare inducing is is what gritty the mascot seven foot tall orange fluffy creature with these big googly eyes uh do you like gritty are you a fan of gritty 
I love Gritty. I love seeing him all over the place. You see him on Instagram, you see him on Facebook, you see him everywhere. I love Gritty. He just he gets on talk shows like he's he's out there. That's the way a real city mascot would be if we had one. You get a real city mascot. As if we had one, that's what it would be. We'll dress up Alec Margulies in, in, a, in a big outfit or something. Chris, yeah. would, Chris, would Dominic go up and hug Gritty, or is that just too much? That's that's it's sensory overload for me. Uh, I mean, it's not very often when you create a mascot and like within a year, he's already an icon. So they definitely had a home run there. I think Dom would be cool with it. I mean, he's met Archie. Uh, Archie is kind of the red version of Gritty. Maybe not quite as scary, but he's got the whole tongue situation. So, uh, you know, wasn't frightened to, to see Archie. So I think he'd hang in there against Gritty. What's going on this weekend, Todd? If people, people want to come down at noon on Saturday or Sunday and uh, watch some hockey, what's going on? So we have um, Saturday, we also have gifts. I'll show you the gift real quick because tool set it, it's oh, nice. really cool all three of them have flashlights built in so it's a screwdriver with a flashlight built in super strong flashlight and then a light that will hang um that kit is really cool for this weekend um saturday we also have the steak and crab so you can come down and have steak and crab uh, we lots of specials going on of course we always have the five dollars rib and coors light special that just continues to sell we the best we've done so far is over 60 in one day which is a lot of ribs not counting the regular half and full racks um we have the NSN pizza special, which is great. Come down, get some ribs and get a large pizza just to share like Chris did. Come on and do that. And then um, Sunday, we have some cool stuff. So if you come down for the Flyers game, we have the, uh, the soft shell crab po' boy and we have a revision El Rapaso draft for $7.99. So uh, it's a great hockey game type food. Munch on it, fries, watch the game. Um, I'm sure the Flyers will be on the biggest screens we have, of course, because it's Sunday and, and it needs to be. Um, but yeah, that's what we have going on. Uh, do you have an OKG for us, an, uh, an our kind of guy, our kind of gal to we, uh, highlight we, this week from your staff? We absolutely do. We have a security officer and he's a security officer, but he's also a dual rate. So some days he works as a supervisor, which is always a challenge because one day you're a coworker, the next day you're a supervisor. And so um, he really steps up the plate. His name is Gus. And um Every once in a while, we get a, a tough customer in the casino business, right? Sometimes it happens, and he's the best at diffusing the situation, just getting, how about you just take a break for today, come back tomorrow, and we'll start again. And he, yeah. he's really good at doing that. And that's what we really teach all of our security team to do, because we really want the place to feel nice and safe and clean, and they really help us do that. Yeah, you know what? There's no muss, there's no fuss, and we like Gus. I mean, no, no muss, no muss with Gus. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is. You're right. I mean, it is a casino business. Some people maybe have been having a good time. Maybe somebody's lost some money. Maybe they've lost a bet. Maybe they've won a bet. You know, your emotions run in different directions, and cooler heads always prevail. But uh, I like that. I'm on the Gus bus. What about that, yeah. Chris? Oh, absolutely. That's a great name. Big fan of a name, Gus. Not, not much better names than Gus. I like that. I like that. I want to check it out. Go down to Rail City Casino, the Rail City Ale House. Noon puck drops for both of the, uh, the Winter Classic games at Edgewood uh, on our sister station, News 4. And, uh, yeah, they'll have it on the big screens down there for you. Todd, appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Thanks. Good luck, Flyers. Let's go. <laughs> we'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Well, it's a sure sign of uh, good things to come, hopefully. Pitchers and catchers have have reported to uh, spring training. And, Chris, I mean, this is this is like an early Christmas for guys like us. I mean, I know it feels like the World Series just happens, but, you know, there's always hope springs eternal in the springtime, even for a Giants fan these days. When you look at what the Giants did or did not do in the offseason, basically it was, 
hey, the Dodgers want to get rid of somebody. So, I, yeah, oh, cool, we'll take him. Um, not that Jake McGee is anything to sneeze at. I think McGee could end up being the Giants' closer uh, this year. His fastball was so good last year. Now it's Wood joining the staff. But uh, when I say spring training, it just warms the heart a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love spring training. Uh, you know, I've actually never been in person. My parents have gone a few times. But, uh, yeah, it just gets the engine revving for baseball. It's obviously a super long season, 162 games, and you throw in that the postseason and the spring training. You're talking maybe uh, 200 games for certain teams. So it's, it's quite the grind. But, um, you know, it's come quickly. You know, it's been the same offseason because the season wasn't really pushed back any further than usual. But, uh, I mean, as a Dodger fan, you can't, can't be more excited than what they've done this offseason, which is try and win games. And I feel like there are so many fan bases out there that maybe quite aren't as happy just because their teams have not really pushed all their chips to the middle as they want to win games this year. But as a Dodger fan, I'm super pumped and also pumped for a lot of these locals who are going to get a chance. We have nine locals who are in uh, training camp. Uh, you know, some of them like a Garrett Hampson or a Jake McGee, they're basically locks to make the roster, but there are some other guys a little bit lower down on the list, like Drew Anderson from Galena High or DJ Peters, who played at WNC, or even Braden Shipley, who moved from the Roy uh, Royals to the Reds this offseason, um, you know, have a chance to actually go out there and pitch well enough or play well enough to make their respective rosters entering the, uh, the season. When it comes to um, er way too early predictions, uh, did the Dodgers make it all the way back? And is there a dark horse? And you were big on the Rays, and you, you called the Rays <laughs> way back when. Do you, do you think we see – it's so hard in baseball to repeat. You know, people are like, well, the Dodgers are building a dynasty. You have to do so much to get back to that level. What, what are your way too early predictions? Yeah, I think just the nature of the postseason and how fickle baseball can be. I mean, the Dodgers very easily and probably should have lost to the Braves in the NLCS, but they somehow get through that series and they end up winning the World Series. So you got to be really happy whenever your team makes it. I think the Dodgers are by far the best team on paper. I'd put the Padres right behind them. But just given the nature of baseball, uh, you know, if you make the playoffs, you got a chance. Uh, you know, so you, you could say the Dodgers are the favorite, but even with them being the favorite, it's maybe a 20% chance that they actually win the World Series. So there's so many possibilities out there. What I would like to see, and I'm sure most people wouldn't, would be Dodgers-Yankees. I mean, these teams played for the World Series championship so many times in the 1950s, 1960s, even in the 1980s, but they haven't played each other in the World Series in so long. Two huge markets. Obviously, they've poured a lot of money into their team, so that'd be my dream matchup, but there are a lot of like smaller market teams, if you want to call them smaller market teams like the Padres, like the Chicago White Sox, like the Minnesota Twins we saw with the Rays last year, um, that could go out there and make a run. I still think the Braves are really good. I think the Mets could actually be a World Series winner this year, uh, given their new ownership and some of the changes they've made, like adding Francisco Lindor. So there are probably about 10 teams out there who have a realistic chance of winning the World Series. And you know, for the other 20, kind of a shame that their teams aren't in that position. And Maybe they won't be able to see games in person this year. But, um, yeah, the Dodgers are certainly super strong heading into this season. Tim Tebow has announced that the dream is over. He is retiring from baseball. Um, you know, for, for so many people, I think that they looked at Tim Tebow when it came to playing baseball, and it was a gimmick. You know, and, But the thing was, is if you listen to Tebow talk, it was never a gimmick to him. And I, I give him kudos for wanting to chase that dream. I think he should have stayed – focused on football because he was a serviceable quarterback he was the type of guy who was a great teammate I don't know if maybe a position change would have been good for him but your thoughts on on Tebow trying to make it in baseball and just just didn't have it all 
Yeah, I mean, I don't blame him. If someone's going to give you an opportunity to go out and play minor league baseball and you love the sport, why wouldn't you do it? Uh, you know, I think it was a bit of a gimmick. I mean, last year in AAA, I guess two years ago, since they didn't play minor league baseball, he hit 163 over 77 games. Now, if you do that and you're any other person, you're getting cut for sure. But he was obviously a draw, uh, you know, a, two, a career 223 hitter over uh, almost 300 minor league games. So from a skill standpoint, just taking off baseball so long to focus on football, that's going to depreciate how good you are when you come and play the sport. Like I have no ill will toward him for trying to go out and do it. I think he was a little bit of a sideshow for the Mets to maybe sell some jerseys or things of that nature. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if you are given that opportunity, you're going to take it and see what you can do. And yeah, he wasn't quite good enough, but it just shows you, you can be an elite athlete in other sports. Hitting a baseball is an exceptionally difficult thing to do. We saw it when Michael Jordan, when he tried to break into the minor leagues and, you know, wasn't all that great at double a, I'm sure if you put LeBron James on, field he would struggle so um you know it, it's probably time for him to step away given that he got up to the triple a level and he wasn't quite hacking it uh well enough but um yeah i, I mean i, I like the storyline just from his perspective of going out there and seeing how good he could actually be well as tim tebow rides off into the sunset we'll see what uh, what he's drawn to next i'm sure we're going to hear hear what he's up to uh, probably pretty quickly coming up next year on nsn daily bet or no bet did the padres make the right investment in Fernando Tatis, over $340 million in an extension. That's next. This segment is sponsored by Bradley, Drendel, and Janae. Well, it is Thursday. That means bet or no bets. Uh, brought to you by Bradley, Drendel, and Janae. Uh, Chris, 14-year extension for Fernando Tatis Jr., that superstar shortstop of the San Diego Padres. Padres certainly showing... Uh, all cards are going in for them to try and make a run at a championship. $340 million, largest, third largest contract in Major League Baseball history behind Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Uh, bet or no bet, was this a good investment by the Padres? I'll bet on it. I mean, he's 22 years old. You see a lot of these long-term contracts and the players are getting them when they're 27, 28 years old, like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. And then you're paying for them at the back end of that contract when they're not very good. I mean, with Tatis, at least you're locking them up through his prime and not too much in that down period. Now he's had some injury issues. So there's always a concern when you give somebody 14 years, that's a ridiculous amount of time, uh, even more so than the money. And this kid's only played 143 major league games. He hasn't even played a full MLB season. And they're saying, we believe in you so much that we're going to give you $340 million. I do think it will work out in the long run, though. I think he's that good of a player um, that he's potentially a Hall of Famer for sure down the road. And you're getting him not only for his prime seasons, but you're not paying too much on the back end. You're going to be out of this contract when he's 36 years old. You see a lot of the issues, the Alba Pujols is, the Miguel Cabrera's. You're paying those guys until they're up to 40, 41, 42. And then they're just really bad players. So, you know, I like locking them up early. They could have played it year by year, but then there's a good chance they may have lost him four or five years down the road. Um, I just don't want to hear that the Padres don't have the money or, or Padres fans complaining about the Dodgers spending so much because now they have two players on their roster making at least $300 million between him and Manny Machado. So uh, clearly even quite quote unquote, the small market Padres, they have enough money to invest into their product. I think other teams should be as well, but um, if I'm the Padres, I would have definitely stamped the deal. I mean, if Tatis took it year to year, he probably ends up making somewhere around $500 million, but you can't blame him for locking in this kind of security. Yeah. I, I'm a bet on this too. I like the idea that you're investing back in your team and you're, you're showing your fans that, you know, we want to win a championship. We've been kind of paddling along in this national league West kind of meandering for so many years. And now 
you've got some young superstars and he's only 22. So I, I, I see what you're saying about the, the 14 year contract seems ominous, but you know, he's only 22 years old. He's a, he's an absolute kid. Coming up next year on NSN Daily as we wrap things up, former Reno's 1868 FC head coach Ian Russell has a new home. We'll tell you where he's headed next. Wrapping things up on NSN Daily, but a few things we really need to touch on. Uh, Nevada women's basketball, their uh, two-game series with Colorado State postponed, Chris, due to COVID-19 within the women's program. Yeah, really disappointing news. I mean, we've talked about it a lot this week, but, uh, you know, they had the last series canceled and it was a false positive that was uh, kind of ruled out as being a positive case after a PCR test. But uh, apparently uh, the bug was not completely kicked. So unfortunate that the women weren't allowed to get on a plane and head over to uh, Fort Collins to play the Rams. And now they're going to have a couple weeks off, just like the men's side. And, you know, the goal is just to be able to maybe play these last couple games of the regular season and be whole as you go into the conference tournament, which starts in early March. So, um, not the greatest news for the women, for sure, because it was kind of assumed that everything was back on track after that false positive. Uh, Greater Nevada Field uh, got some exciting news today. Uh, Reno Aces have announced their schedule opening day uh, scheduled right now for April 8th, 142 game season schedule. Yeah, and unique. Uh, they're doing six game series. It's usually yeah. four games. So they'll play a six game series. Wednesday's a travel day, play another six game series. Wednesday's a travel day. And they'll do that the entire season. So you'll see the exact same uh, team in your town for basically a week-long period. If you get some really good prospects on an opposing team, that's kind of a cool uh, opportunity. But nice to see it starting so early. I mean, April 8th, 142 games. That's 22 games more than any other minor league, double A and single A. Uh, and if you're looking to get into uh, the, the field and the ballpark, uh, that opportunity should be out there as well. Currently, the directive is uh, 25% capacity of uh, stadiums that have at least 2,500 fans or more with seated uh, fixed seats, um, which would be about 1,300 fans per game at Greater Nevada Field. So, uh, you know, hopefully we're playing games in April and fans are allowed to be out there with some social distancing and masks and stuff. 1,300 is going to feel like 13,000. So I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you that right now. If you're a ball player and you didn't get to play last year and you're going to step out on the field, I don't care. Uh, a, a good 1,300 people from Reno, Sparks, Northern Nevada, they'll make some noise. Uh, final minute here, and speaking of a team that used to play at Greater Nevada Field, Reno 1868 FC, their head coach, Ian Russell. Uh, of course, he, he naturally looking for a job and uh, found himself one in a nice, nice little spot to slide into. Yeah, Toronto FC. So they've been to three of the last five MLS Cups. Uh, he's going to be an assistant coach there. It's a great franchise, very high salaried uh, group of players. Josie Altador is there. Michael Bradley's there. So uh, not a head coach at the MLS level, which is the ultimate goal, but will be an assistant on arguably the best franchise in the entire MLS. So a nice landing spot for Ian. Uh, Toronto is a great city. Everybody I've spoken to that has played a sport in Toronto professionally. I absolutely love it. I've only been across the border when Nevada played Buffalo a few years ago. Got to see the uh, got to see Niagara Falls and everything. But absolutely a beautiful city from what I always heard. And of course, the best of luck from us to uh, Ian Russell. For Jenna Holland directing us behind the scenes and Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.